Uh, welcome to Hope Bible Church. We are excited to be in God's Word today. Jesus asked um, in the Gospels, what is the first and greatest, or Jesus was asked, what is the first and greatest commandment? And this is what he said. He quoted Deuteronomy 6.4 and he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. This is the premier, the most important, the first and foremost commandment is what Jesus says. That's how he describes it. Jesus describes it in such a way as the first and greatest commandment. It is the primary purpose and the goal for humanity. God made humanity to love him, to love him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's what Adam and Eve in the garden were made for. And I would even say it's the best New Year's Eve goal, New Year's resolution that you could choose for yourself today. But here's the thing. It's not only the greatest commandment. I would also say it's probably the most difficult one, the hardest commandment. All of my heart, all of my soul, all, all of my strength, that's a tall order. That's a tall order of no compromise in your life. It can feel like a very impossible task. I know myself. I know my ways. If you know yourself and you know yourself like I do, you know that you're tempted in all other directions to tempt to go after other things and, and to chase with your attention, your heart, your soul, and your mind and your strength other, uh, other things in this world. Maybe you think, I could never love God that way. I have way too many struggles. I have way too much baggage. I have way too much insecurity. Then I want to say something to you. I want to say, welcome to Hope Bible Church. <laughs> welcome to our church because we are filled with people who aren't perfect. We are people who are screw-ups and failures. Yet, nonetheless, we strive and we struggle to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. So you're welcome. You're amongst others who are also in that feeling of saying, hey, that's a large and tall order. But yet we strive. We strive because the message of the church isn't that you're to be perfect. It's that you, even though you aren't, even though the world is falling down all around us, all around me, even though I have failures, I still have hope. We still have hope. There's a man named Jesus Christ and who uh, Jesus wasn't just a teacher or an influencer. Jesus was and is God come to earth. God came to earth and took on flesh and, and to face temptation and to triumph over temptation and to be tested by this world, by this broken world. And though he faced sickness and though he faced storms and loss and struggles and persecution and death, he overcame all of it. God knew how he deserved to be loved. That's why he commanded that we would love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God knew the way he deserved to be loved, and he knew the temptations and the trials of the world that he knew they were defeating us. They are defeating us. And he knows that temptations and the trials are, are destroying us from ever loving him this way. So he decided to come down to earth and to face these temptations himself as the person, in the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one we celebrated this Christmas. Jesus was God, is God in the flesh, showing us how to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and with all of our strength. And in so doing, he lived a sinless life. 
he qualified himself to represent us before God so that through his death and through his resurrection, God would look on us the way he looks at Jesus, the way he should look at Jesus, as if we, he gets to look at us as if we had lived our whole lives loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But when Jesus died on the cross, God looked at him, God the Father looked at Jesus the way he should look at us. He looked at Jesus with condemnation and judgment and wrath. And and so now for us, for those of us who know we are failures and sinners, for us, we, by putting faith in Jesus Christ as God, we can have peace with God now. We can have eternal life. Eternal life now. And we therefore, we strive to grow in our love for God. We strive to grow um, despite our, our failures, despite our sinfulness, because, because it's not that what Jesus did made us free from the struggle with sin. No, it made us free from the burden of sin. And without that burden, the pursuit of loving God with our whole lives is that much better, that much more pure and, and satisfying. So today's sermon isn't about being perfect. It's about how broken, sinful people can grow in their love for God. It's about how we strive in our love for God this year. That's why I'm excited about this as a New Year's message, because growing more in love with God is, in Christianity, it's called discipleship. It's discipleship. Growing in more in love, the discipleship of loving God. You see, discipleship, it's the disciplines we take on and it's the relationship we have with God through it. That's what discipleship is. Discipline and relationships. When you put discipline and relationships together, it equals discipleship. Not discipline as in punishment or condemnation, but discipline as in training, as in studying. We have discipline so our hearts and our lives can be shaped and changed into Christ-likeness. And, and uh, that relationship that we have is because we're being changed into Christ through the Holy Spirit. We have a relationship with God the whole time as we are coming under this discipline and we are perfecting our love for God, growing in Christ-likeness. So as the director of discipleship and worship here at Hope Kelowna, my heart, my heart is to see people growing in their love for God. My heart for you today, whether you are a seasoned Christian or you are just tuning in for the first time today, my heart for you is this. My heart is that you would grow in your love for God this year. Learning to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So we're going to look at what follows the greatest and the hardest commandment in Deuteronomy 6, 4, 5. But before we do that, let's just pray. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and we give you glory for the good gospel news that we have salvation by Jesus Christ's name. Thank you for the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross on our behalf, Lord, that he um, paid for our sinfulness before our sins. And therefore, we have salvation and we have motivation from that because we are now motivated even more to chase after you because you are so deserving of our love and affection. And so we just pray that you would help us through your word today, that you would grow us, that you would discipline us out of love, that you would give us the disciplines, the the relationship we need through all of this, that we would grow in Christ-likeness. We want to be more like you and less like who we used to be. And so we pray that your word would be cherished, that your name would be lifted high. 
We ask all this in your name. Amen. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 16. Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 6, verse 4 to 16. I'm going to read it out. I'd love for you to read it along with us. Um, if you don't have a Bible at home, send us a message on our online connection card. We'd love to get you a Bible into your hands. We believe everyone needs a Bible. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and, you shall be, um, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you, for the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test, as you tested him at Massa. This is God's word. We're going to walk through three disciplines today. Three disciplines of discipleship, of growing in our love for God, growing in our love to love God more um, with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our might. These three disciplines are the ones we will pursue throughout this year as we seek to love God more. The first is this. Learning to love God's laws. Learning to love God's laws. Look at verse 6 with me. Let's just reread that. After it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. This is what it says. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. They shall be on your heart. The commandments, the laws, the rules the, uh, of God shall be on our heart. Many people think of the book of the Bible and Christianity as just a bunch of rules and laws, but it really isn't. The Bible is made up of so many different types of literature. It has narrative stories and wisdom, poetry, prophecy, prose, letters, gospels. It, it has a lot, it, and it does have laws. It does have laws. Deuteronomy has a lot of laws. Because the Israelites who left Egypt into the wilderness were given laws by God because they had left one nation to become their own nation. They needed laws to govern them under God as their leader. So there is a section of laws in the Bible, but even this section of laws is not devoid of, of value simply because it's not poetry or, or prose. No, these laws, they demonstrate the values and the heart and the nature of God. So we need to not simply skim over the laws of Deuteronomy or, or even be passive about the commandments of God throughout all of Scripture. We are to recognize that if we want to love God more, we need to learn his heart. We need to learn his heart through these commandments and through these laws because these laws and commandments are designed to help us know God and to love God more. 
So to grow in your love for God, you need to learn to turn these laws into love. You know, some think that if you loved God more, you would simply obey him. But I would say that the Bible is teaching us that if we obeyed God more and cherished his commands, that we would simply love him. For instance, every house has rules. Every house, every house you're raised in has rules. And what, no matter where you go in the world, there are rules for every home. In my home, it was finish everything on your plate. Finish all the food on your plate. And don't, you know, and then there's some places where you don't finish everything on your plate. But in my house, it was finish everything on your plate. Every last thing. Not quite lick the plate, but make sure you're not leaving anything. But I was notorious. I was so notorious for always leaving just one bite, one bite. You can see a picture there, you know, just a small amount of food just left there. And I can hear the sound of my family members saying, Brett, really? Just, just one bite? Just, just one bite, Brett? You couldn't finish your food? Just, just one bite. Like, just finish the food, okay? Um, but, but I was just notorious. I was like, oh, I'm full, you know, and, I'm, and I couldn't fit a one, that last bite in. And, uh, and, and you want to finish the food on your plate, right? Because the rule is really, or the, the, the value is that, you know, you're cherishing the food that A, somebody made for you, the portion they gave you, and there's, there's people who don't have food, and so don't let food go to waste. But then everything kind of changed a little bit for me in terms of eating food when I went and I visited Becca's, uh, Becca's Italian family in Montreal. And we would go to her Nona's house. And her Nona is like a classic Italian Nona, her, 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 her grandma. And she would make all this food and it was delicious. It was so good. And I would eat all this food. And, uh, and what I learned was you don't ever finish all the food on your plate if you're in an Italian home. Um, you don't, you don't do that. Uh, it, it just implies that you're more hungry, really. And so if you finish all the food, I made this mistake. I could just see Becca's family giggling, laughing. I finished all the food on my plate, trying to be a good boy. And then, uh, Nona comes over and she's like, oh, I see you're still hungry, right? In her deep Italian accent. I didn't quite understand her, but, um, she goes and gets me a full plate full of food, like a whole other plate, not just like a scoop of this or a scoop of that, not, not even asking me, just a whole plate of food. All right, here you go, right? Because if you eat all the food on your plate, it means that you're hungry. Like if you ate every last thing, it means you still got room. And so they would give you more food. Um, but the problem was I, I learned my lesson because either you're going to get sick from eating too much food or you would have to say to Nona, no, I'm not hungry. I don't need any more. And and to say that was really offensive. Like it was, you know, basically you're saying, I'm hungry, but I don't want to eat any more of your food. <laughs> and that's not a very nice thing to, to say. So, um, so you just always left like a little bit of food because you did not want them to be offended. And, and, and that's the thing with rules and laws. All these rules and laws, they have different values for different households and different families. In my house, there was all sorts of rules. Like take your shoes off, don't slam the door, hang your coat up. Now, these weren't, like, these weren't that bad of rules, like, in hindsight. At this time, I was like, oh, my goodness, my shoes, my coat, the everything. But the reality is, uh, these are good rules for us. These are good disciplines for us. Because what they teach us is, they teach us the values of love, of loving each other. And also, when I went and sat down on a couch that didn't have laundry all over it, it meant that somebody had, had cleared the laundry and made my home, my parents made my home a wonderful place to be raised in, and a beautiful, clean home. And it's not that we weren't ever messy, but they, they, did, they did their work to show their love through these rules and through these laws. And that's the point of the commandment and the laws of God. The point of them is to that they are training on how to love God more. They are 
training us to understand him more and why to love him more. Each commandment is meant to draw us in and to keep us close to his heart. Scripture is so clear about this. If you check out, check out Psalm 119. It's a larger psalm and it's, it's lengthy in reading, but throughout Psalm 119, it speaks about loving God's law, cherishing God's law, treasuring his commandments in our hearts. And, and for such a long time, I just thought, oh, that just means I need to memorize more. I need to, you know, memorize more scripture. And yes, you should memorize scripture, but you should cherish God's law. You should cherish and love the rules and laws and commandments that he's given us. Verse 6 said, these words that I command you shall be on your heart. Put them on your heart. Love God's law. You know, there's a, there's a version of Christianity that I, I kind of want to warn you about a little bit. Because there's some versions of Christianity and there's versions of, of a faith in God where um, they don't love God's law. In fact, they'll only obey the ones that they love and that they like. It's kind of a selective type of uh, Christianity where you're selecting which rules to follow based off of what, what you agree with. And then there's also a legalism where, uh, legalism where you're, you have to obey every single command because if you don't, God won't love you or forgive you and, 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 and stuff like that. But there's, there's a newer kind of, I want to warn you about a newer version. I, I, I'm going to call it like a sexy legalism, uh, but there's n- nothing good about this. And it's, it's obeying God even though you may disagree with him. And, and I've heard it said in things like, you know, I know what God says and so I do it, even though it feels like it's unfair or unjust. I do it because he's commanded it, but I don't agree with it. You see the danger of that? You're, they're distancing themselves from God. You know, or, or the, you know, I've heard even preachers go like, you know, don't harp on me. This is just what God's word says. I, I didn't write it. They'll say things like this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You either love God and love his commandments or you don't. I know that the, the, the reality is that the things that God commands us, of us, they don't go along with the world all the time. They're not always easy either. I'm not saying that obeying God and and his commandments are going to be easy and always feel good and everyone's going to agree with you. When you begin your relationship with Jesus Christ, when you begin to follow under these new rules and new laws and and commandments that God gives you, they're foreign. They're strange. They're strange because you've been living a sinful life. Uh, You've been giving in to sinful habits in your sinful nature. Of course they're going to be uncomfortable and strange. They're not going to be, um, it's going to be uncomfortable at times, but you're going to grow in this. And I got to assure you, following God's commands and learning to cherish them, this is for your good. And more importantly, it's for God's glory. Jesus said it well. He said, come to me, all you who are burdened, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not to say that Christ did not say that life was just going to be gumdrops and rainbows for a Christian. But he, he's saying that the, the burden of following him, the yoke of following him, is light and easy. The commandments of God may not make sense by the measures of pragmatism or worldly wisdom. They may not be popular opinion either, but, but God has a purpose in all of his commandments. And they're for our good and they are for his glory. So, so 
discipline yourself to learn to love God's laws. If you want to grow in your love for him, learn to love God's laws. Cherish them on your heart. The second, um, the second discipline is to love God with all of your life. Love him with all of your life. From verse 7 to 9, we see this. Read with me in verse 7. You shall teach them diligently. This is talking of the commands of God. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the part where all of that, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, all that starts to really get some flesh. God is giving us some clear commands of, of, of the fact that this is to be part of every area of our life. We are to have God's ways embedded into every facet of our lives. In these few verses, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of you shalls. And so what I'm encouraging you to do today is underline all of the verbs in these uh, three verses and then find another way to mark all the nouns as well. Um, And we're going to walk through them a little bit. Let's just look at the verbs that we see in here. First of all, we see that you are to teach them the commandments of God. You are to talk of them. And you are to talk of them when you sit and when you walk. And when, um, and when you lie down, and when you rise. And then you are to bind these commandments, and they shall be uh, as frontlets on your eyes, and you shall write them on your doorposts and on your gates. Let's, so that's the actions of what you're to do with all this. So in every action of your life, you're to be Im- embedding God's commands. But then in every area, every noun, I'll say, every person, place, or thing, if you remember some of your English class, they are to, um, you're supposed to teach them to your children, and it's supposed to be involved in your house, and on your way to places, um, on your hand, on your eyes, on the doorposts of your home, and on your gates. You see, um, this is emphasizing how the commands of the Lord are to be part of every aspect of your life. Because if he's really the only God, look at this passage, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, the only God, monotheistic is the belief of Christianity. We believe that there is one God and one salvation. And he really is the only God. And if he's the only God, then he's the God over everything. There is not one God for sex, one God for relationships, one God for money. One No, there is one God. And he is the God over everything. And if he's the God over everything, then loving him means having him be the God of your everything as well. Because when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he gave all of himself. He faced all temptation And he did that to have all of you, not just a portion of your life. As I think about it, I think about the idea that everything I do affects my marriage and family. Everything I do affects it. The money I spend is money that it either is for my family or, uh, or it's spent uh, in not for my family. The, the clothes I wear, the time I spend on my phone, all of these areas of my life uh, can be spent for the good of my family and, and my health, of course, as well. Um, and to, this can be spent to increase my love for them or it can be spent to increase my love for other things. So how much more can every area of our life affect God and be related to him? 
And I'm just going to quickly walk through some of these things from verse 7 and 9. Teach them to your children. Talk, talk of them regularly. <laughs> One of the best ways to internalize your love for God is to externalize it, is to go and tell others about it. You know, uh, I always say, many Christians can recognize the tune of the gospel. They can hear it and they're like, oh, that sounds like the gospel. Somebody's preaching me the gospel and the good news of Jesus. But very few can sing it. Very few can sing and, and, and sing that tune for themselves, sing the good news of Jesus Christ. And I don't mean literally sing on tune. I mean, like, you can't tell others about it because you don't talk about it regularly. Also, teaching your children. Teaching your children. This is so important for discipling others, but it's, it's not just good for your kids. It's good for you. Answer the hard questions. Articulate the tough doctrines. I've gone to seminary and, and I've gone to Bible college and, and I love studying God's word, but I can't tell you the amount of times that Parker's asked me a question. I'm like, uh, hold on. Let me think about that for a second. That's a strange question. Talk with people about God. Start somewhere. Are you religious? Do you go to church? Try and have those conversations. This is where I, I really need to grow in this. And, and I know we all need to grow in this, in this evangelism, but it's not just evangelism for the sake of changing someone else. It's evangelism for giving testimony to the goodness of God. And then it says, on your hand and on the frontlets of your eyes, you know, branding and bearing the, the, the gospel and, and the commandments of God. Uh, I've got a picture here of Jews here, what they did in light of this passage. Um, it, and they're wearing this thing called phylactery. And, and what you're seeing there, you see those little boxes on their foreheads that are strapped on there. Um, and it's, it's directly from this passage. They're, they're wearing what looks like a little small black cube-shaped case on their forehead. And it's containing the Torah. It, care, it contains a little bit of scripture inside of there. Um, and then if you look at the banding, that stuff wrapped around their wrist, that's right out of this passage. Right? You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and you shall bear them as on the frontlets between your eyes. So you can see an example of this passage. And, and I'm not saying we need to be exactly like this. I'm not saying that we need to, you know, be legalistic and everybody needs a WWJD bracelet or, or anything like that. I don't need, we don't need to be out there virtue signaling people about, about stuff. This is just to say, how is God represented on your person? You know, how, how are you reminding yourself of the goodness of God, the commands of God, your love for God? How are you bearing that? We, we wear so many brands. We wear so many things associated with uh, a certain label. Shouldn't we be labeling ourselves as Christians and openly and on our person be saying, I follow Jesus. I love him. That's a way that we can grow in our love for God. And then verse 9, you shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is about, you know, making claiming, claiming land and locations for the lordship of God. You know, I just recently bought a home and, and you get to own a piece of property and a, and a home and all that kind of stuff. But, but I, I want my home, according to this passage, I want my home to be a place that, where Christ's name is lifted high. Where people come and they say, I want to hear about Jesus here. And, and, and where, where we talk about God and we talk about the gospel, we live that out. 
And then, and then when it says on, the, on your gates, it, it, it doesn't mean the gates of your house. It means the gates of like the city and throughout the city. And so in your businesses and, and, and in areas, claim land and claim locations for the name of Jesus Christ. Let's do that this year. Let's, let's have our businesses boldly be said, this, you know, we are Christians and we, and we love you. So to love God with all your heart, soul, and your mind, and your strength, you, you need to trust that he is the best thing for you in every area of your life. And so I, I, I challenge you to ask and answer for yourself the question, what does the gospel have to do with this? What is the good news? What is Jesus's good news about this area of my life? Consider every area of your life and then search the scriptures for what it says. I truly believe that there is good news for every area of our lives within the, the commandments of God about how we are to live. You know, search the scriptures and find for yourself, discover what is the good news about work? What is the good news about sex and relationships, money uh, and food and, and everything? How can I dedicate those things to God? How can I love the way that God has made the world around me and, 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 and breathe life into these things? How am I to love God in every area of my life? And how is the good news of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, Savior of my life, how is that relevant to this, to this area of my life? Or how am I starving the Lord of this area of my life when it should be redeemed by this? We need to give our whole lives over to God. We, we need to f- fight to not have um, one portion of our life be sacred and the rest be sec- secular. And the third discipline is this. We need to guard our love. We need to guard our love. We need, this passage, a big chunk of it is is warnings, really. Um, The whole dilemma that I was sharing with you about the great commandment is how high of a demand it really is. How hard it really is to, to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind and strength. Because the reality is we all know we're going to be tempted. We're going to be tempted away from that. We're going to be tempted away from, from, from giving our whole lives over. And even though we know we won't love God perfectly, or even though we know it's inevitable that we're going to sin, it's not predetermined that you must. I'm going to say that again. Even though it's inevitable that you will sin, it's not predetermined that you must. What I mean by that is when we give our lives over to Jesus Christ, he gives us his Holy Spirit to enable us to fight sin better, to say no. We are no longer shackled and slaves to sin. We are slaves to righteousness, as scripture says. And so we're able to fight sin like we've never done before. I, I've, I've heard so many people give such good testimony to God helping them fight and flee temptation and fight their addictions, fight their, their taste for sin. Uh, talking about how their taste for sin has, has gone in certain areas of their lives by surrendering uh, their lives over to God. It's not that they're not tempted anymore. It's that they're... they're their body has been changed. They are a new creation. They are not as the taste for sin doesn't taste that get used to because God has changed them. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. It says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape 
that you may be able to endure it. This passage in Corinthians says that God will always make a way. And we see this throughout scripture because we need to guard our love for God. We need to guard our love for God from our own sin. You're going to be tempted. It's just the reality. Look at the garden. Even in the garden, before Satan spoke to Adam and Eve, tempting them, God spoke to Adam and Eve and he warned them. He warned them to not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God will make a way for you to escape it. So guard your love by fleeing sin. Here, let's just look at this passage and see the temptations that God is warning Israel about and warning us as well. Verse 10, read with me. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give you with great and good cities that you did not build and houses full of all good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. Are you getting the point? God provided all these things. You didn't do it. And when you eat and when you are full, then take care. Be on guard. Lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God is in your midst. He is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. There are three key dangers that we need to guard our love from that are highlighted in this passage. First of all, we need to be careful of forgetting. Forgetting. Look what it says. Take care in verse 12. Take care lest you forget the Lord. Let's be careful because we do live in a country of great affluence and great material. We are very blessed here in this country with with freedoms and, and comforts. And God is saying, you see the list of comforts that he's saying, I provided you for you. Take care that you don't forget that it was God who brought you out of, out of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. And for us today, it's, it's don't forget that God brought you out of a slavery to those materials. God brought you out of a, a sinful addiction to those things. Deserting. That's the next thing we need to be careful of. The Bible says you shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you. We need to be careful and guard our love from our temptation to desert God. When we chase after other means and idols for, for, for changing and saving our lives. And then doubting. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. Massa. That was where um, the Israelites were thirsty. And they doubted that God was going to provide. And so we see that you are not to doubt the Lord. He will provide. He will take care of us. So just like Israel, just like Israel, we will be tempted. We will be tempted by affluence and materials and the things around us. We will be tempted by the world's idols and the world's solutions for things. And we will be tempted to doubt God's provision and then try to force his hand or to test him. We need to guard our love for God from these temptations. 
You see, not being aware that there will be temptations in the Christian life is kind of like not having an umbrella in Vancouver. I, ever since I moved here in, in Kelowna, I'll talk to people about Kelowna and Vancouver, and, and it's usually it comes down to weather for them and the city. Not, a lot of people don't want to live in the city. But they'll always say, oh, it just rains every day in Vancouver. It's like it rains every day of the year. Well, I looked it up. And it rains on average 154 days of the year in Vancouver, which is a lot of days. But at the same time, when I was looking at that, I saw that there's a place in, it's called Quito, Colombia. <coughs> Pardon me. And it rains 304 days of the year there. 304. That's a lot of days. It rains more than most of the year. It rains a lot there. And it would be ridiculous to live there and not have an umbrella. I mean, maybe somebody doesn't have access to an umbrella, but it'd be silly to live there and to pretend that it wasn't going to rain. Right? It would be ridiculous to, to, to go there and say, I don't know, it might, might not. It rains all the time. And let me tell you this. When it comes to the Christian life, there's still temptations. There will be temptations every day. There will be temptation every day. The, 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 there's only rain 304 days of the year. There's temptation 365 days of the year. So what we need to do is we need to be on guard with the word of God. This passage, verse 16, Jesus quoted that too. Jesus quoted, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You know when he used that? When he was being tempted. When he was being tempted by Satan in the desert. We need to cherish God's word, cherish his commands because they will guard us. They will guard our love for God. This passage, this whole passage of chapter uh, 6, verse 4 to 16, this whole Deuteronomy, really, it paints a beautiful uh, description of who God is. How he's our provider. He rescues us from slavery. And he's in our midst and he's jealous for our love. Man, we have a God who loves us so much. He has done such amazing things for us. And, and, and we have to admit that it's not him who, who compromises. He never forgets us. He never deserts us. He never tempts us. He is perfect in his love for us. We, we are the ones that are tempted. So we just, we need to watch carefully that we not forget, that we do not desert or doubt him. This is, these are the, the discipleship, the disciplines of loving God, the discipleship of loving God. We need to learn to love his laws, love him with all of our life, and guard our love for him by fleeing temptation. The first five chapters of Deuteronomy are the retelling of the stories of the Israelites and all that God has done for them. And, and the reality is that God has done so much for us as well. I love it in 1 John 4, 9 to 10. It says this, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God has done so much for us. In coming down to this earth and facing the temptations in the person of Jesus Christ to, to face those temptations and to triumph over them for his glory and for our good. He has given us eternal salvation and security and a relationship with him, peace with God. 
By putting our faith in Jesus as our Savior, we have freedom from condemnation, freedom to grow in Christ-likeness, and we have the Holy Spirit to help us do, the whole, do all of that. Would you put your faith in him today? Would you renew your faith in him today? Would you commit 2021 to loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength with us? You have been not freed um, from the struggle with sin, but freed from the burden of it if you put your faith in Christ. And God has been doing so much good for us, even us as a church. He has been so incredibly wonderful to us this past year, so faithful. And, And so I invite you to dedicate this coming year to loving God more. And in a second, uh, after I pray, Haley and Dwayne are going to come up and they have a song to sing that's to the tune of Old Lang Syne. And it's just reminding us of God's faithfulness and how he is so deserving of our praise and how good he has been. And so we lift up a song of praise for his voice. Would you join them in singing that song when, when we sing it? But first, let's just pray. And if, if, you're, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ yet, this is a great time to just join us in prayer and to dedicate not just 2021, but the rest of your life to loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's pray. Father, you are um, deserving of all the glory. Uh, you not only made this world, but you rescued it when, after we ruined it. You rescued it by coming down here and, and, and dealing with the, the brokenness of it, the brokenness that we have created brokenness and sin that we cause and you paid the price of our sin on a cross for our good lord we just want to give you the glory for that and we want to love you love you better than we've ever loved you before give our lives wholly over to you would you teach us to love your laws and commandments would you help us to love you more through that would you help us to examine our lives and consider how the gospel affects every area of it and then god keep us on guard through your Holy Spirit, keep us on guard for those things that want to distract us and, and, and change our hearts away from you, Lord. May we not forget you. May we never doubt you. May we never desert you. Help us in this, O oh Lord. May you receive the glory because you deserve the praise. You deserve the glory for all that you have done for us. In your name we pray. Amen. My heart for you is this, is that you would know that you are loved. And that's why we can love God so much.